I'd been given an introduction to a chambers in Birmingham by a don at Cambridge. I had specified Birmingham because I'd calculated that I couldn't possibly afford to start in practice in London. My understanding was that the competition for work in London was so great, and the cost of living so high, that it would be almost impossible to keep myself solvent for the first few years. I hardly knew Birmingham, except that I had train spotted at its two railway stations from time to time, travelling between the stations on the tram. My legal expectations had been raised by my observation during my holiday job as a solicitor's clerk that all the serious court work in Nottingham had been done by Birmingham barristers. I'd also formed the view, can't now remember how, but it turned out to be true, that there was more work for beginners on the Midland circuit. I travelled to Birmingham for an interview with Michael Davis, who was the head of chambers in the old Victorian terrace at 41 Temple Row. Unbeknown to me, this was the strongest set of chambers in Birmingham at the time. There was then no organised way of applying and being considered for a pupillage. I had about ten minutes in casual conversation with Michael, during which we got on together reasonably well. He then promptly offered me a place and took me outside to introduce me to the people who would be my colleagues for the next sixteen years. They seemed a very pleasant crowd, and they appeared to accept Michael's impulsive decision to admit me without query. He may have been struck by my outstanding personality, but it's also possible that he'd noted the reference to the presidency of the Cambridge Union on my CV. I moved into digs at Alton, a nice suburb in Solihull, and began the short commute by steam train from the local station into Birmingham's Snow Hill shortly thereafter. I had fallen on my feet. The bar had been almost impossible for beginners for several years before, but as a result, I think, of some extensions to criminal legal aid, there was now a glut of work available, and the chambers was desperately short of barristers. I sat with and behind my pupil master, Michael Davis, from time to time, but I was also almost immediately propelled into cases of my own, not only in the magistrates' courts and the county courts, but in jury trials, at quarter sessions, and at the assizes. My academic career had given me no training of any kind in the day-to-day intricacies of the criminal law or the law of negligence. I acquired the necessary practitioner's books, mainly Archbold on crime, and learned my trades I went along, beginning with the imitation of my better opponents. I actually made my first appearance before the Court of Criminal Appeal when I was still in pupillage. Fortunately, the judges, who could be very aggressive, seemed to treat me indulgently. Within a few months, Michael Davis became recorder of Derby and then took silk. Following the custom of the time, this required him to transfer to London chambers, and for my last six months in training, I became the pupil, where my workload allowed, of Philip Cox. Both became my great friends, as did most of my colleagues in Chambers. We were a very lively and gregarious collection of men. A great deal of hard drinking accompanied a very great deal of serious practice of all kinds, enlivened by the odd practical joke. 
In one instance, my great friend David Jones snapped handcuffs somewhat of my wrists during a court adjournment, only for the judge to come back in for a quick word with me. I had to keep a straight face while I answered his inquiries with the handcuffed arm firmly behind my back. On another occasion at Warwick Crown Court, David, acting for the prosecution, picked up a slip of the tongue I'd made while acting for the defence. I'd referred to my client stealing a Ford Meriden in Granada, rather than the other way round. David passed me a note informing me that the Spanish police had a warrant for arrest, which unfortunately I read out to the whole rather unimpressive.